Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, season one, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website, gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. Hello, everybody. Today we're going to meet with Basti, one of the young, shiny people who is opening his heart to learn about himself and is willing to uh, answer some questions today on our new voice. Peace. Peace. So thank you so much for taking the time today. And I look forward to the wisdom that comes through you for our questions. The first thing that we've been talking about is how have you been informed or in the early part of your life come to know yourself as your gender or the kind of person you are? Like, give us a little understanding as to how you identify and what helped you identify that. I think that question for me has always been a little bit of a contradiction in a sense, because the messages from the outside world, a lot of the time, weren't exactly in confluence with my inside world and vice versa. Learning that was always a little bit of a balancing act between those two worlds, how I could express what was true to my inside world, but at the same time, having to navigate these outside customs and normals and ways of being in order to survive while at the same time, not compromising my inner truth. I was very fortunate to have a very positive male role model in my life, my father growing up. I think that was my earliest lesson or teacher in what exactly it means to be one side of the polarity, a boy or a young man, or just by watching, observing. I was also fortunate that my mother and my father, although they had some very typical type roles, they also had different areas of themselves that they explored within their relationship that allowed me to see that it wasn't so, oh, you got to do this because you're a man. Unlike a lot of my friends growing up in school, elementary school, they didn't have, a lot of them didn't have fathers or even very many positive male role models around. There was an element of like, just kind of learning as you go. A lot of lessons about just how to survive as a young man in this world that were not always in line with necessarily how I felt on the inside. And at the same time, you got to do what you got to do to survive. So it was always these aspects of contradiction within the world coming into the realization. It's almost a suppression of self. I feel like is how I was initiated, if you will, into manhood or boyhood by society. So essentially I'm being taught how to be a man or a, a boy by a whole bunch of boys, my friends around me who never even knew that for themselves because they never had somebody positive to look up to for themselves. So we're all just little kids in this world trying to figure out basically one of the, the most meaningful things you could do is develop yourself as a human being in the most healthiest way. And we're just going, going from scratch. What you're bringing in, I really appreciated that suppression of self because it does seem like in the growing up, for I think almost all the generations, not just yours, being authentic isn't necessarily given a value or a high value. It's more like get in line, do what you're told, 
make me proud. Not necessarily like, well, what do you feel? Like what's going on inside you? What do you notice? What's your intuition say? Like those kind of questions don't even get considered. I mean, maybe now because the y- young mothers are much more progressive and they understand this. Exactly. Because I think that that was what was passed down. You know, we were talking last night with some women in their 20s. One of the things that's going on is we've been passed down some things that aren't necessarily working. Most definitely, yeah. So that's a little bit of a gratitude because everything that happens happened the way it happened. You know, obviously everybody was doing their best and for some reason trying to make sure other people were happy got sold to us and we all bought it and we all said, okay, I'm going to be one of those people who makes everyone else happy. That's going to make me a good person because I make everyone else happy. I'm so grateful for my father because his mantra the whole time was, honey, you got to make yourself happy. No one else makes you happy. And you better be happy because if you're not happy, then you're not going to be nice to be around. But that was always considered so selfish. So when I would do it and make myself happy, a lot of times the world would be like, oh, that's so selfish of you. So, yeah. Who else is going to do it? You know, and it wasn't selfish. It was just saying no to something you didn't want to do instead of just doing it because someone else wanted you to. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I definitely so like growing up talking about your emotions or crying. Even as a even as a kid as young as four or five entering kindergarten, you couldn't cry, and if you did, you were you was already uh, basically picked on or singled out as like a crybaby or overreacted. The only emotion that was acceptable was anger and basically violence. Those are the only two expressions of very intense emotion that were accepted. So I could definitely say that that was part of my conditioning of what was accepted and what wasn't accepted from me as a young age, which definitely contributed to difficulty getting in touch with my emotions as I got older and anger issues and, you know, escapism because I wasn't able to express that truth. If I felt sad or hurt or whatever, for this reason, it wasn't, it wasn't accepted to express these things in that manner. And so it wasn't able to come out in healthy ways. And yep. that was definitely my head. I'm sorry for interrupting. You know, I got a habit that comes from my generation. I blame them. I don't blame. I'm just kidding. But tell me about escapism. Because I think a lot of young men, especially, you know, I've been doing some research on, on men and how they develop. And it feels like that emotional deal is a real interruption to their full authenticity. Because not being able to bring in their emotions into relations until women means escape. And then once you're escaping, you don't want anybody to take away your freedom. So tell me a little bit about escapism from what you've seen and what you experienced. Most definitely. I think it's, it's a very detrimental thing within our society because I think it plays into the way that women are conditioned as well. So typically, and something I saw a lot growing up was like men are constantly it's hard to get things. Their emotions is, is always being suppressed and not sharing itself. And if they're in a relationship with a woman, whether it be their sister, whether it be their friend, or whether it be their girlfriend, it's this constant battle of like, oh, no, nah, like nothing's wrong. And then this sinking of more and more emotional effort from the woman into this dude, into us, who we don't even know how to do it for ourselves. So it's this black hole and it just creates this spiral out of control on both ends of the polarity, that balance, that equilibrium is not coming into place. Some real deal. You spoke some really good wisdom right there. It's a vortex for all of us, right? Because the women try to engage the emotion. They try to bring up the emotion because they know that's kind of where the flow is, right? I believe that escapism lives in our mind. 
So I feel like what you're saying is real there. I think that's a high truth you bring in how it complicates it for both men and women, no matter what the yeah. relationship is, because the woman wants to free the men. Like one of the ways I understand in some of the Native American stuff is a woman is intended to help bring forth the soul of her partner or even her children. You know, like I, I would love to know that my children have a connection to something that they can feel safe in. It's not just me. Yeah. And then like, I feel sometimes then it can get manifested into blame and anger when us as the bros, we got to just come together and, and support each other in healthy ways. Because growing up, at least for me, in relation to escapism, right? All my friends pretty much until I was maybe 20, 19, 20 years old, it was on the foundation of getting fucked up, whether it was Drugs and alcohol, that was the foundation, basically, of our relationship. I mean, only I can look back on it now and see it clearly. It wasn't like this then, but now I look back on it, I'm like, oh, I, I like to go to that person's house. I like to kick with that person. I like to meet up with this person for this, for that substance, because I know they're always going to have that, because I know we're always going to have a good time doing this, because I know we could go out to the bar and do this. And so it began from an early age that relationships and groups of men, groups of boys, really, the foundation of our collective or the foundation of our relationships was based in escapism. And it, and I already touched on how emotions weren't really a, 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 an accepted thing or a part of it. So not only we're now shunning emotions, and then the thing that's bringing us together is the uh, the use of a substance to escape easy, even further from how we feel it. And that, yeah. But it makes sense that when you feel suppressed for so long from your authenticness, and then you get to kind of be a little bit stupid, because I mean, that's the thing. You get high, you get drunk, you can be a little stupid. You got funny stories about silly stuff you do that you might not have done if you were in your posture and your position of what you thought you were supposed to be and stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was like, it's not... It's not like we're going to be getting drunk and, and, and being connecting. I mean, definitely later I was able to evolve and, and through finding psychedelics and stuff like that, definitely utilize substances in a way to allow channels to open, to allow myself to get closer to my truth. But as a teenager and, and, and a young person, like that escapism just went further into the anger and seeing friends fighting each other and just doing stupid shit, just realizing along the way somewhere that <laughs> this wasn't what I wanted and this wasn't my truth. And then beginning on that journey to finding my way back to myself, which I traveled so far from, and I didn't even really know how to begin, but I just knew I needed to. And so I started and yeah. here I am. It wasn't easy, but it's way better. <laughs> It's way funner than the alternatives. Well, I'll say from knowing some people and uh, knowing your agent's stage and getting to know you pretty well, you've developed a lot of awareness. And honestly, I think a lot of people in your generation are kind of waking up to that because if we continue to repeat from what we were created from, we're smart enough to know that we'll have the same thing. So as you go to grow into your land and you're going to be a father someday and all that, you'll want to be able to be an example. Because as you said, the examples of our parents are big parts of how we shape. And one point that I'd like to bring in to the audience that's listening is 
when you do use any medicine, it's a relationship. And the best way to meet all relationships, and yeah, I'm saying best like the best because I think it's the best, but that's just my opinion, is to keep it sacred. And sacred means respect. So you be respectful to the fact that this medicine is powerful, whether it's another person or a substance. And you take it into your body with an intention. You be clear about it because if we don't treat ourselves as sacred, if we don't understand that these vessels are what host each one of our gifts, we'll continue to just run away from ourselves and lose our center. And then who's here to be us if we've left the building? So I think it's important if you are going to involve yourself in any medicines for searching and learning and understanding, you do it in a sacred container, one that you create for yourself with your friends, however it works with a mentor but you allow yourself to know that you're safe to explore. Because when we add fear while we're exploring, we kind of stay in that duality. You know what I'm saying? Hello? Yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering about how it shows up in relationships. So now, as you learn yourself as a man, how did you meet the woman? How did you come to understand who you wanted to be in relationships? How did that start to develop? Well, the first, the first woman, that got introduced in my life. She really messed me up. That didn't help with the escapism and the anger. I'll keep it, I'll keep it honest, open and honest. Long story short, basically, uh, I don't know. Yeah, she was stuck in her own perpetual crack. Maybe it was the power games, the control games like you're talking about. I don't know. But well, I, I'm thought- sensitive to what you said there, but you said she. I, I believe that in tracking people again, that first love story is an imprinter. You know, it's a core memory or something, you know, it really holds. And oftentimes, just out of the way we're designed, that first love is going to repeat that wound or that pattern that's inside both the people. So it's going to be this deep opening to, oh my God, can you believe how this feels? To, oh my God, can anything hurt so much? How could anything hurt so bad? And I think sometimes if I've grown, I've learned that pain and joy are, are kind of from the same place in my body. Like, you know, that deep joy I feel sometimes runs just as deep as that pain that I can touch. And it's all in the mix, you know, it's not necessarily one's better than the other. It's just learning to be resilient through anything that flows through us. And those people who come into our life in the early part of the game, they're, they're here to, to help us reclaim ourselves a little bit. And I too have that kind of story where I was so confused by relationships. And I think that the man who I hurt when we were in high school was on, he would suggest that I was a, you know, a real catalyst to his wounds. But there was also a way that his behavior and how he was coming at me was triggering in my being the reason to protect. I wasn't feeling like this guy's safe. I was like, wait a minute, he said this and then he did this, or he didn't do this, or what's up with that? Like, where is he, you know, like, those things wouldn't keep me in a state of surrender. I didn't necessarily feel sacred. I felt like I was in a game board. I said, oh, well, I got to make sure in the game board I'm okay, so I'm not going to let myself get too close to you. I'm going to keep you at bay. And he loved me so much. And I loved him. I freaking loved him. But I was playing a game because he wasn't being sincere with me. I, I, I've always been able to feel the truth and know if someone's lying to me. So I would be like, this dude says he likes me. He's looking at me in your face and lying to me right now? What's up? Where am I going with that? You know, regardless of loving them, you know, but then as I got older, 
and more insecure or were more concerned about, you know, my value because I added stuff like kids and weight and all sorts of shit. You know, I was like, I guess I got to deal with this. I guess I got to let people lie for a while. But that changed my ability to be safe or authentic because I still knew. But if the person doesn't necessarily want to be true yet, then they can't be true yet. And that's we have to kind of love people through it, but maybe at a proper spacing sometimes because when you're real close to somebody and you're hurting each other just because it's what you were designed to do, it leaves a mark on you. So I'm just sensitive to the fact that that first love for so many people, it's that heroin story they tell where you're always going back for that first high. You're going back to try to find something that doesn't exist anymore because it only happened that way because that's how it was designed. And you find it differently as you grow older and wiser. You grow a different kind of sacredness to your internal harmony. And then you want to meet something that's going to meet you on all the vibrational planes, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, not just some idea in your head of some hottie. Now, for me, uh, you know, I was like 14. And long story short, basically, yeah, like I said, she was in her own perpetual crack. And I get I don't know if it was the, the control games or what it was, but long story short, she ended up getting me jumped by like 50 people. And I was no. by myself. Jumped by yourself? By that many people? And I was by myself. Oh and my like, goodness. That was her ex-boyfriend and he was like 17, 18. So it's like a whole bunch of young men. And I'm sitting here, this 14-year-old boy, so that was basically my first first introduction to all this. So for because and I'm a I'm a Scorpio basically too. So I already have this aspect of me that it takes me a lot to trust somebody. And then when I do and they betray me, it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm like, see, I knew it. I knew I I knew I shouldn't trust nobody. So that didn't help. <laughs> that didn't help my mentality growing up. It just contributed to my trust issues, definitely. And then getting older and just trying to make stuff work, but just realizing that, man, as people, we just have so much baggage and so much trauma and so much history and so much experience that until we really unpack that, it's no point and it's of no use to try to even build healthy relationships if we're not, if we're not willing or ready to heal and address those things within us. So after sort of trying it out and just seeing all these ways in which we are all just hurt people and we got to heal that. It's our responsibility to heal that. And unless we do, it's just going to perpetuate a whole bunch of the sameness. And I'm not with the sameness because I have dark holes in me and people got dark holes in them. And if we're not going to heal those, then it's just going to get together and it's going to explode. So for a while, after I got older, I was celibate. And I still, for me personally, I still think that that's a great practice in terms of building discipline as well as really being discerning with who you give your energy to because it's not this, it's not something to be underestimated, how movies make it seem, how all society t tells us, like, in, in doing that, I was able to build really meaningful relationships with, with my women friends. And sometimes for the first time, it would, it would be for them what would be a healthy male friend who wasn't trying to have sex with them for the first time, who they could trust and be open with. And that feeling in and of itself, it was something new for me and it was something new for them. 
and it made it safe. You know, it made it safe. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, as much as very much women are beautiful, you know, they're just beautiful. I mean, I, I think they're stunning. I love looking at the beauty and the way women come through and men too. But there's a way that that sensuousness that just exudes from woman became this sexual fervor, this 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 tool in the game board. It took away from the sacredness of it and it stopped feeling safe. I mean, I know that as a as a younger woman, I, I had quite the the face and the shape, but I wasn't safe. So I didn't push it. And I wasn't pushing for that. I didn't really care if anybody saw that. That's just what I came in. That's just a container. Like what I wanted somebody to know was me. If you really want to know me, I didn't even consider being with a boy for months and months and months. And girls would be dating a guy for a little bit and have sex. And I was like, are you kidding me? It wouldn't even occur to me because it's like, if I don't understand who this is or how this person's coming towards me. But again, as you get older and you go away from yourself and you spin and when you spin, you do different things. But when I was a younger woman, it was so much about feeling safe. And I really enjoy the intimacy with the men who know how to be good friends and know how to be genuine and share. because. That's fertilizer there. That's delicious. That's like, oh, great. Here's a safe mirror. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, wow, that sounds crazy. I, I really love that I get to learn more about people when uh, I do this. So that's great stories there, Nasty. That that makes a lot of sense and what I know about you, too. And that's the other part of our lives. They unfold. If you really look, everything that happened happened right on cue, right on time. Like it was all designed, like you were here to unfold and you were going to do what you needed to do where you were put and make the best out of it. But some stuff was going to stick and make a dark hole, like you said. And it was your job to find out how that hole got you to your soul because it happened for that reason. So then how did you find your connection to how you know truth or, or, how do you discern for yourself and how do you stay connected spiritually in the way you understand spirit? Like, cause a lot of times that's how we find our way back to the integration of all the parts. So how did that work for you? It most definitely, um, that for me came from activism. I grew up in Boston. Like I said, definitely the inability or not having the tools to express my emotions in a healthy way, you know, manifest into anger issues into not able to have healthy relationships, whether with men or, or women. And by organizing, by becoming a youth worker, I was able to channel a lot of these emotions into things that I felt strongly about and had a lot of observations about what was wrong in the world and what around me I saw that I didn't like, that made me sad, that made me fill with despair. And had always before just manifested into addiction and anger. And to actually sit in a room with a bunch of like-minded people and in a calm manner express, speak about and communicate how we felt about what was going on in our communities and try to figure out and make a plan of how to make it better. It was a super empowering thing. And it was also very informative on how the emotional process can go. It doesn't have to be this explosive thing. It can be this thing where whether you do it with another person and you sit down or whether you do it within yourself, you can just speak calmly and respectfully in a way that gets you to your solution. So I was a community organizer for maybe probably from the ages of about 18 to 23 or so. In that time, I, I did a huge amount of growth in terms of 
emotional skills in terms of physical skills. And it really helped me to also link up what goes on in the world with some of the emotional tools I needed to unpack my own issues. And we were one of the few groups in Boston that, in my knowledge, really linked up the, the political with the spiritual and really tried to address a lot of these issues from a more holistic way. That's some great wisdom. Whoever was great, and I thank you for your life and your force, whoever created that, because that's so on course. I mean, please continue, but without something to believe in, there's no foundation. Yeah, like a lot of the younger youth groups and the nonprofits that sort of introduced me into the life, they didn't do a good enough job of supporting the people who, the young people who worked there, and they were kind of just, in the essence, they were almost like expendable resource. And it couldn't be further from the truth. The work has to be hand in hand with the internal work, in, in my opinion. And healing on a community level has to be hand in hand with the healing of the community organizer, or it's not sustainable and it's not gonna be lasting in my opinion. So yeah, throughout that process. That comes into the social services. You know, I've worked in social services for a long time. And one of the places I work uses community as a healer. But like you were articulate to say, the people who work there are resources that come and go and they're not treated the valuable energies they are of people reclaiming themselves. Because if you can really have your mentors or your workers evolve or integrate themselves to their sense of compassionate heart space, they're going to bring a lot of energy to the healing of that place. So once it becomes a business or a money game, because even non-for-profit, it's still a money game. It's just a different way of playing the game. There's still a way that you get tied to who's paying for what, and then you start to play your cards based on where you're getting your money. So I think that's an interesting thing to bring into awareness is that as we do create systems now to inspire the youth to connect to something they believe in and to use their gifts and talents in a way that they feel proud of or connected to, that we be conscious of the fact that those of the workers and the people there are just as important as the funding source or anything else. If anything, they're the greatest resource of your, your system that's going to help perpetuate. Because if you're up at the top doing emails and talking about the meetings with people, you're not the ones that are changing the lives. You're the ones that are trying to keep things flowing, but without knowing who's on your ground. It's like not knowing your army. It's like not connecting. It just doesn't make any sense. So I guess we agree on that one. So <laughs> nice to talk to people you agree with. It's like, yeah, yeah, you get all like righteous. All of a sudden your back's up stronger. Like, yeah, what are we going to do, man? I tell you, I've always said when it comes to activism, because I would get so mad when I was younger and I'd see what was going on and I could see through everybody most of my life. So I'd be like, what's going on here? But I tend to just keep to myself and I might be a little instigating and I might leave little things and it kept everybody from messing with me. I'm kind of like skunk, I'm rather stealth and like no one's going to really mess with me. And I kind of knew that, but I watched and watched it. And I remember in my thirties, people saying, well, what are you going to do with your voice? I said, I'm going to make a place for people to come and feel safe because it's the only thing you can do now because nobody's safe. But when they said, what about this? They'd show me stuff and they'd get me fired up. And I said, I'm not entering activism angry. I'm not looking to be no angry activist. So I don't see myself getting into activism until 50s or 60s when my shit's soft because I'm not here to get mad at everybody. It makes no sense to get mad. Like that's a waste of my energy. This is precious energy. I want to be creative with everything I got. 
I want to be connected to people who want to grow beautiful things that help kids sing and laugh and know themselves from the inside out. I'm not worried about that other stuff. All that stuff comes because when you live the life that's yours, everything you need comes to you. How could it not? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, for me, it was it was a little different in the aspect that that was actually one of the main things that helped me transmute my anger. And it empowered me to make make me feel like my voice and my actions really actually made a difference. So that was one of the main things that helped me get out of that hole, that hole of anger and helped me to react to things in more healthy ways and help me to know myself better, begin that spiritual process of finding my center finding my practices. Shout out Young Pueblo, my guy who really was a was a foundational force in putting me on the path and realizing that the personal is the political. That once you get inside yourself and you start solving your own problems, there's only one way that that can be reflected on the outside world. Things are going to start reflecting that that inner solid that inner peace within your reality. That's the only way it could happen. Not saying everything's going to be perfect. We up against some pretty <laughs> long-standing colonialism, and, but it's going to be felt and that reality is going to slowly but surely begin to shift. Yeah, and I think that there's like innate girl and boy kind of game right there because I agree and I think how you stated it is true that you want to channel into something you believe in and I was just kind of taken more intuitively by the whole experience. And I just know since I'm a, a queen manifester at a certain light, when I get angry, man, my tongue, it's, it's vicious. It's vicious. I, I had to curb it. Like by the time I was like 31 years old, I was like, I got to stop. I'm, I'm, I'm killing people. And I was never doing anything but just speaking the truth to them in very deliberate ways. But it wasn't always from a kind place. You know, so I, I changed because my, my sarcasm game was good. You know, like I had a sharp sword and had a timely sword. So nothing really touched me. So to take that down, I didn't necessarily need activism. I needed, like you're saying, to go inside and find out why it is that I'm mad at the people. And I think I was just disenchanted. You know, my heart was so broken. And when I was a young girl and got pregnant after high school and what I experienced from living that, man, I just never came back all the way. I was like, what the heck's going on? wow, people are just not nice to each other. They're, wow, man, fuck. It wasn't like, boy, here we go. This was like a great world. It was like, woof, old doggy. All right, I better make sure I keep my stuff tight. And I used what I had, you know, I used my, my quick mind and my intuition. So I became careful of not wanting to be that person up at the podium, like being too righteous or forceful because I'm so persuasive. Like, what do we say when we were up at Unifier? I'm, I'm no small life force or whatever. I mean, like when I get really tuned in and strong, I think that's part of what's made me want a man around in general is to have that. I think every man I've picked or has picked me or has been a gift of my life has been a stabilizing force to help keep me on course because there is a, a passionate vortex that comes with some of us women that nobody needs to hold. But when you're safe, you can do what you're told from spirit. You can roll, you can flow it because you're good. You know, you got your, you got your pieces, you got your anchors, everybody's flowing too. And you're not responsible for everything all by yourself. When you're scared, it feels like it's only you. When you're mad, it sometimes feels like it's only you. And 
that's just silly to think it's ever only us. But feeling safe and at ease with people supports the ability to just let it go. Speak it true. So yeah, here we go. It's time for activism. I like it. I think activism and being conscious of what's going on, but do want to be careful not to get too caught up in story though, because we don't really know what the whole truth is. You only know the truth when you experience it yourself. Because if you listen to what everyone else tells you on the shows and on the videos, it's people's tones, people's persuasion, things together, you know, you can get caught up and conspiracy stuff can really be consuming. People get caught in fear and then they're not here in a flow. They're in fear and they're trying to control, you know? I'm with you. I forget that when, I don't know how that'll transfer into our show, but Nasty's one of these people who's actually really listening. And, you know, I go on and on and he tries. He sometimes, he, I take these long loops and he's like, okay, so what did you say? <laughs> one, of my friends, one of my friends when I was younger, he's like, can you do that first part in your head and just come out with those final few sentences? Because like, I don't mind listening to you because you say some great stuff. That whole roundabout to get there, can you just do the end part? I'm like, I don't know. I've been trying. I'll keep trying. Precision, precision. I pray for precision. All right. So then how did the spiritual evolve then? How did you become to know your spiritual connection? Yeah, man, I think that definitely was a very important part of it was figuring out how we could use this creative light force to change the world in a way that reflected the values that we hold of peace, love, unity, safely having fun, the principles of hip hop and, you know, just figuring that out. And evolving with a lot of my peoples. And that's a hard question. I got to be honest, that's a hard question. It's really difficult to look back and, and look back at who I was and look at where I am and be like, well, how'd you get here? I'm like, I'm not too sure. <laughs> well, then maybe the question can come into, what do you do right now? Like, how do you on a daily stay connected spiritually so you can kind of feel like you're moving towards giving birth to yourself, your, your ease, your peace, and not your conflicts. How do you maintain? Oh yeah, most definitely. I just, you know, my community and my family is super important to me and staying connected to my peoples and staying plugged in into a vision for the future, for a better future. Super important that hope, getting in touch with nature, getting in touch with the most high. That's what gives me the, the strength and the will every day to wake up. That's what blesses me with a new breath each day and allows me to feel thankful about that breath. Yeah, all different types of practices like Qigong and breathing exercises, working out with my body and being active with my body, eating right, fasting. Yeah, all types of different things to just really push my will and push myself, but in a way that's going to make me a better person and that connects me to the infinite life force energy that is within me and all around us. That's what helps me feel centered and grounded and just remembers what's really going on in this realm. And like you said, not getting distracted by all these stories and all this other shit that's going on and really just tuning into that inner frequency and that inner truth and allowing that to be my channel, allowing that to manifest itself through me and just opening up myself as a channel for that divine energy, not trying to think too much, not trying to let my brain get in the way and just allowing the work to unfold itself. And the relationships I have with people are super important to me as just that relationships of holding, cultivating that, that life force energy between us 
and that creative. And I think how you are with another person is a reflection of that relationship that you have with yourself. And it's also a microcosm of the world that we're creating. The more that we can have open and honest communication with each other, the more that we can be poignant in what we're trying to accomplish with each other, what we're trying to say, I feel like it's a microcosm of the world that we're building and how that we're going to get there. So those are a few things. I got such a big smile on my face. I have so much hope in my heart when I hear young people like yourself speak that way. Thank you. And the one part that really like, I, I had to keep putting it in a little box while I kept listening because I got stuck on it was push our will. Oh, that's so right. And our will is ours, you know, and, and kind of the, the escapism, pleasure-seeking mode where we're going to avoid pain at all costs is do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I could do whatever I want. But the thing is not, you want to use your will, push your will to grow the best you, to do what you need to do for you to be the best. So when you're on the field or you're wherever you are, at the table, the council, the kitchen, the baseball field, you got your best with you. Right. I'm not I'm not sitting there complaining about all the shit that's fucked up in the world. I'm sitting there as a testimony testimony of what the solution looks like. And that's what I strive to be. Whoop, whoop, whoop. it spread. Love it. Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for your concise answers and your time. And you know, we're gonna continue, you know, our conversation that the women are gonna be doing it for several weeks, and I'm gonna do the same with the men. So We'll continue to have this conversation. There'll be some new questions next time. And we'll just let things unfold and see what we can do as this voice gets shared, our new voice, where everybody gets to hear and really hear one another and, and grow fierce compassion for growing our best and making this a place that is such a wonderful, beautiful, amazing place for children to learn, a beautiful landscape to become who they are. So I don't think anybody doesn't want a better world for children. Most that. Thanks, Croatia, for having me. Shout out to the family. I love you guys deeply. And to the Most High, thank you for the energy that has a lot to flow through me. Yeah, and thank you for the timing and the divine way that everything comes together. And May spirit hear this clarity and this authenticity and may it continue to be nurtured to flourish. Thank you for listening today. Have a, have a good one. Remember, spirit's got away. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website gwtrustfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. It's the glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. The way will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll soothe your soul. Rhythm in the middle. Rhythm in the middle.
soothe my soul. Let me smell that fire. Time to sing with the tribe. Rhythm in the middle. 